You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Rags to Riches, Part 4. Enjoy. Father, we thank you for this time together. We love you. And your word changes everything. We thank you for the unlimited power of your word that is in us today. And we thank you for accomplishing your purpose for our lives, for moving us forward in every area, in every way, taking us higher in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today is part four of our series entitled Rags to Riches. And we're talking about prosperity. (gasps) Are you supposed to talk about that in church? Well, we are. We're talking about it, okay? We're talking about what does God think about your finances? Does he want you to have a little bit? Does he, does he want you to be poor? Maybe that's a holy thing to be poor. I don't know. Does he want you to maybe just kind of make it just, just enough to pay the bills? Does he want you to have just a little bit more? Just enough to pay the bills and get a snicker bar at the end of the week? Or, do, or does he want you to have abundantly above and beyond what you need? Well, I don't know. You gotta, how are you going to know? You got to look at the word. You can't ask so-and-so on the street corner, right? You can't go to any pastor and ask them. You've got to look to the word of God for yourself. God, what do you want for us financially? What do you want? That's what we're looking at. So our foundational text has been Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So our heart follows after whatever it is that we treasure. Okay, well, at Highway Church, we're people that treasure God. We treasure intimacy with Christ. We treasure our relationship with Him. He's more important to us than everything we have and everyone we know. Okay, so we treasure him. Now, I wonder what God treasures. It's like kind of what do you get for the, for the one who has everything, right? What does God treasure? Because when you treasure someone, you begin to treasure what they treasure, right? When I met my wife, she wasn't my wife yet, but when I first met Jennifer before we were married, she really liked baseball. And I don't I maybe watched about three games of my life of baseball. You know, I wasn't, didn't know much about it. But she was like an expert in baseball because her dad loved baseball. So I got to know her, and we'd sit there and watch baseball games, and she'd start teaching me about the strategy between the pitcher and the catcher. I was like, oh, yeah. What's he going to throw? He's going to throw a curveball. Oh, okay. And I started learning about baseball. This is a really cool game. But I didn't know anything about it. But I began to like it because I treasured her. And you begin to treasure the things that the one you treasure treasures, Right? So what is the one we treasure? Treasure. Psalm 138, verse 2. What does God treasure? Baseball? Well, this is what verse 2 says. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now look at this. For thou hast magnified thy word. Ah, above all thy name. So what does God treasure? His word. How much does he treasure it? Above everything else. Wow. So guess what we treasure? His word. word. Absolutely. We build our lives on it. 
It's what the Father treasures. He's exalted it above everything else. And we do the same in our lives, okay? So we treasure the Word of God. So by getting into the Word of God, and you're listening to parts one, two, and three, right? Go online to highwaychurch.us. Click on the podcast button and listen to part one, part two, part three with your Bible. Read the scriptures. Read the word that God treasures so much. And let it just sink into your heart and change you. Let it change the way you think about money and about your finances. It's good to be free from money, to be free from the love of money to be free from selfishness. When it has no hold on you, you can handle it. You can believe God for big things because money has no hold on you. You understand what I'm saying? When you're clinging to it, saying, I don't want to give, I don't want to do that, it's got a hold on you. You're afraid of losing it. When you're afraid of losing something, you can never be free to follow him. That fear will keep you from going forward. All right? Should be no fear attached to your money. All right? Oftentimes, people, what they really believe is linked to fear, not the Word of God. So we found from looking at the Word of God that God has a financial plan for our lives. And it's supernatural. It's beyond what you can do through your own efforts. It's beyond what you can earn regardless of what type of job you have or how many figures you're pulling in through your job. It's well beyond six figures. It's well beyond two commas, okay? It's well beyond what you can do on your own, what his plan for your life. Now, here we are in church talking about money. Is this something that spiritually mature people should talk about? We asked that question last week. We found that it is, that spiritually mature people have taken the time to learn the Word of God and find out what His will is in every area of their lives. That's the mark of a spiritually mature disciple of Christ. They know the will of God concerning each area of their lives. We saw that with the Apostle John in the writing of 3 John last week. That was about 60 years after Christ rose from the dead when he wrote that, about 90 AD. And that's what he talked about prosperity. That was the desire he had for the disciple Gaius. And then we looked at uh, God's very words from the prophet Jeremiah. We looked at Jesus' words in John 10. So God has a financial plan for your life, and spiritually mature people learn about that and understand that it's supernatural. And we looked at last week in part three that the, the God's transferred the wealth of the nations to his people, not because they were so smart or did everything right, but because he loved them, okay? We saw that, and then in one night, they went from slaves to free, from poverty to prosperity, from rags to riches. We saw that in Psalm 105. All right, so let's move forward now. So God desires to prosper us because he loves us and because he wants to show himself through us. And one of the things that God did when when he uh, created the heavens and the earth, he installed spiritual laws into the earth for our benefit. 
So let's take a look at these back in Genesis. Just one of them today. Genesis chapter 8. So God installed spiritual laws in the earth for our benefit. And understand this, with spiritual laws, they're operating around the clock whether you know about them or not. They work whether you believe in them or not, whether you understand them or not. They're like gravity. You may not understand gravity. You may never heard of the word gravity. You may not know what gravity is, but it's affecting you right now. If it wasn't, you'd be up against the ceiling, right? You'd be floating in the air. We'd have to pull you down. So gravity is affecting you regardless of what you believe. It's the same with tr- that is true with spiritual laws. They affect us daily whether we realize it or understand it. We can't, like gravity, you can't see gravity, right? But you can see the effects of gravity because I'm standing here. Me being attached to this floor is the effects of gravity, all right? Spiritual laws are that way. You can't see them, but you can see the effects of them. It's like that with spiritual things, okay? So in Genesis chapter 8, one of the most significant events that has ever happened in the timeline of the earth took place, right? The earth was flooded. And it says in Genesis that the the thoughts and imaginations, God said this of man, that every thought and imagination of their heart was only evil. Man had become so evil that God could not tolerate them. He could not allow them to continue except for one. Who was that? Noah. Yeah. Noah, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So him and his family, uh, they built the ark and the animals that God brought on the ark, and God flooded the earth. What must that have been like? So for almost six weeks, they were on top of the water, right? And here in chapter 8, they're coming out of the ark now. You imagine when that, that ramp came down and they stepped out. Forget Hollywood. I just try to imagine in the spirit what that must have been like, right? They're, they're stepping foot onto an empty earth. They're the only surviving beings left. Wow. What must, well, you know what Noah did? What was the first thing Noah did? He worshiped God. He began to worship him. And in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 8, it says, um, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. What is that sweet savor? Worship. See, man, get here for 10 o'clock, I'm telling you. Let's just let a sweet aroma of Christ Fill this place, fill this mall, fill Taunton and every the surrounding area, and let God smell that sweet aroma of our praise. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Look at verse 22. While the earth remaineth... Um, Excuse me, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. It's a spiritual law right there. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So, seed time and harvest, we can all relate to that. Seed time and harvest, planting seeds and um, reaping a harvest. Now, I'm not a farmer, I've planted a few things in uh, my day, but not much. But we can all understand what what seeds are, right? Ethan, have you ever planted a seed before? You know what I did this morning? I had an apple. And after I ate my apple, I cut it in half. The kids said, what are you doing? And I got out one of these. You know what this is? Got a little. You see one of those? 
Yeah, for an apple seed, Macintosh apple right there. Huh? Pretty good. Is that impressive? It's like, wow. <laughs> Hardly even see it, right? So this funny little seed, how many apples are in this seed? Anyone have an idea? See, God established this principle of a seed, and it is powerful. Seeds and harvests. So you can't even see this seed because it's so tiny. It's right in the palm of my hand. You would pass right by it if it was laying on the ground. Wouldn't think twice about it. There's nothing impressive about the look of this seed. On the outside, it looks like just a piece of dirt, right? But on the inside, there is unseen exponential power to reproduce. If I planted this seed, fertilized it, took care of it properly, it would grow into a tree. And what would grow in that tree? Apples. What do the apples have inside them? More seeds. How many apples are on an apple tree? I don't know. How many seeds? So from one seed, you get a whole lot, right? From one seed. So God, God in, installed this principle of a seed, that from something tiny and seemingly insignificant, a great harvest would come from. And we're originally from western Pennsylvania, and there's a lot of farms in Pennsylvania. And when we drive back to that area, we'll either go across Pennsylvania or across southern New York uh, towards Buffalo, and boy, we'll pass farms, farm after farm, an acre after acre of land full of produce. Where did all that come from? Have you ever passed a, 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 you know, 50 acres of corn? That's a lot of corn. Where did it come from? From a little seed. Isn't that amazing? This is a spiritual law. Now, Jesus likens the word of God to a seed. <laughs> so is this impressive when I hold this up? A lot of people wouldn't even know what that was. Well, it's black. So probably, that's the Bible. But there's nothing like, Wow! Whoa, look at that page. Whoa. Oh, oh. No, there's nothing about this that's as impressive. It's what's inside of it, right? It's the unseen exponential power that is available when you put your faith in it, right? He said in Mark 4 or 14, he said, the, the sower sows the seed. That seed is the word of God, right? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 23, no seed is more powerful than the word of God. I heard someone talking, they live out west and they have over 100, uh, 100 foot boulders on their property. And some of those boulders have trees that have grown and split those boulders in half. A seed fell in a little crack in a boulder and split that thing. How powerful these little things are. They can mess up your driveway, right? Mess up your sidewalk. First Peter 1.23. Ready? Being born again, that's you and me, right? Being born again, not of corruptible seed. We can smash this little thing, right? This apple seed. It's, we're talking about something supernatural now. Incorruptible seed. Seed that can't be stopped or contaminated. The word of God. We're born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So if you're born again, somewhere along the way, 
at some point in your life, someone planted the seed of God's word in your heart. In other words, somewhere you heard someone say something like, Jesus loves you, or God sent his son Jesus to save you, or God will forgive you of your sins through faith in Jesus, something like that. And at some point in your life, you decided to believe that. What they said, they were words, and they were planted inside of you. And when you put your faith in them, that seed opened up. And the power in that seed took your nasty rancid, sin-death-filled spirit and made it brand new, clean, a sweet savor unto God, holy, full of life, and God came to live inside of you through the simple seed of that word of God. How powerful is that? That we sinners, lost, hopeless people could be made new through the word, and become the very sons and daughters of God. So go back to Genesis chapter 8, end of chapter 8. So God says, seed time and harvest, boom, right? Which was already in the earth before the flood. He's just reinstating it. And then look at verse 9, chapter 9, verse 1, right after 22, verse, chapter 8, verse 22. So God tells them of seed time and harvest, and what's the first thing he says to them after that? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be what? Fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Who did he say that to before? You remember? Before the flood. Yeah, to the man and woman he made, right? So it sounds like God has a plan, doesn't he? Here's his financial plan. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. You see that? This is how God thinks. <laughs> when he looks at you, he's thinking multiplication, mm -hmm. growth, producing. That's why we say produce, right? It's produced from a seed. Produce section of the grocery store. God sees produce when he looks at us. He sees a plan that's beyond what we can do. He sees multiplication. So God's plan for your life, for your financial life, is expensive. It's ever increasing. Wherever you are now, he's got a whole lot more for you. And God, when he brings wealth to you, he adds no sorrow to it. So don't say, oh, no, how am I going to handle it? No, God will work that out. God, when he blesses you, it's a joyous thing. There's no strings attached. There's no manipulation with it. There's no sorrow with it, all right? But the first step is understanding that God has this plan for me, that God wants to take me higher. Don't be afraid of more digits in your checking account. Don't be afraid to use more than one comma. Start thinking in terms of more than one comma. What does more than one comma mean? How many digits? At least. Seven. Seven. Took you a while, huh? Right? Yeah. If you use one comma, you have to have four digits, right? So if you use two commas, you got to have seven, right? A million dollars, right? Start thinking that way. Why shouldn't you? Right? And then three commas. How many digits you need for three commas? Yeah, it starts with B, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That shouldn't be foreign to our thinking. Who told you you can't have a billion? dollars. 
Where did you ever get that thought? That you don't have to use two commas when you write a check. We're talking about the seed of God's word. Right? Man thinks small, but we don't because we're God's sons and daughters. Hallelujah. So when God says seed time and harvest, understand God speaks of natural things, but most of the time there's a spiritual reality to it. And this is one of them. So we see in the New Testament that seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping is used when talking about our finances. Let's take, take a look at this. First, let's go to Luke chapter 6. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6.38. This is his principle in action. Sowing, reaping, giving, receiving. Sowing, reaping, seed time, harvest, giving, receiving. Jesus says, give. And it will be given to you. Yes. Look at this. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Where did that little seed go? I dropped it. Oh. Anyway, that little seed wasn't, wasn't running over, right? But when you sow it, what happens? It produces a, a crop. God's, Jesus says, give, it will be given to you. What good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put or so one translation says, men will pour into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. You see that principle of multiplication there. Proverbs 11.25. I'm going to read it to you. It says, the generous soul will be made rich. We want to cultivate a culture of generosity in our families, in our lives, and in this church. Because it's the heart of God. We're not afraid that if we give, we'll be without. That is the wrong way to think. That's the way the world thinks. Hold on to what you got. Don't you dare put money in that church. Don't you dare give money to that ministry. Don't you dare give away your money because then you're going to be without. That is, that is absolutely the opposite of the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Okay? So the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Is it talking about pouring a, 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 a thing of water on your head? Is that what that verse is talking about? Like a flower pot? You know, no, it's talking about giving money. Giving things, right? Generosity. Wow. We're generous people. So now let's go into 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. So Jesus talks about it. He says, give, it'll be given to you, shaken together, running over. The Proverbs says, a generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will also be uh, watered. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He brings up this same principle, and he says, verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. What is he talking about? Well, you have to read the chapter. You have to read chapter 8 and 9. He's talking about, are you ready for this? Giving money to the ministry of the church. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. But he says sowing and reaping. So he's not talking about planting tomatoes for your garden. He's talking about giving your finances into the ministry of the church. Isn't that well, something? And there are people who don't understand that. Say, well, the only reason he's talking about that is because he wants your money. 
That's just absolutely a, a wrong way to think. We're talking about this because we want it to be active in our lives. Privately, corporately, we sow and we reap. So my wife and I, you know, we, uh, well, even before, before I uh, met my wife, when I got saved, so it's been over 25 years now, I didn't understand the principle of sowing and reaping. I was just so glad for what God did in my life. I would just put money in the offering. I'd, I'd just give sometimes all I had. I didn't understand these things, but boy, I was doing them. And I was so blessed as a result of it. Give a whole paycheck. Or someone, but wow, I had someone blessed me with something and, and I, I had bills and different things. I said, you know what? God, I'm going to trust you. And sometimes I just give it to God. I'd go into church and I'd put it in the container. And in my account, man, I think, you know, I really needed that. But no, no, God's going to take care of me. So we're talking about something very different, a very different way of thinking. And fear will rob you of this law operating on your behalf. All right? So Paul says, if you sow sparingly, now what would sowing sparingly be in terms of our finances? Just, you know, we give a little bit, right? Give a little bit. Because we only give a lot because we need it, right? So that's sowing sparingly. He says you'll reap sparingly. So if I plant, you know, one seed, all I'm going to reap is what comes from that seed. But if I plant more than one seed, if I plant a whole field full of seeds, right, I'm going to have an amazing crop, right? Now, um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul's talking again, and he says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. If you read this in context, what's he talking about? Oh, boy. He's talking about giving money to the one that you're learning the word from. You read it yourself. I'm, not, I'm just telling you the Bible, all right? He's talking about blessing the one who teaches you the word. Wow. That's what he says. Anyway, we'll move right along. All right, so, um, okay, let's go. So our financial life now, now, now listen, our financial life shouldn't be separate from the kingdom of God. It shouldn't be separate from the ministry of God, from the ministry of the church. It should be a part of it. Because it's important to him. So we invest in what's important to him because we treasure what he treasures. And what does he treasure? Remember Psalm 138 too? His word. Where is his word preached? Predominantly through the church, right? The body of Christ is the vehicle to preach his word. And I know many times it hasn't happened, but that's okay. It is happening in the earth. Hallelujah. So Romans, uh, let's see. So we invest in what's important to him. So God treasures his word. Why does God treasure his word so much? Is he egotistical? That's my word. Aren't I great? Why does he treasure his word? Because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him intimately. And relationship with him comes through faith in his word. That's why he treasures his word more than anything, because he treasures a relationship with you more than anything. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing, right? And hearing the word of Christ. He treasures the word. Where do you hear that word? You hear that word in church. You should, right? So our relationship with God develops when I receive his word. 
And that's why Sunday mornings are so important. That's why get-togethers are so important, because you're hearing the Word. Listening to the podcasts are so important. Listening to the video messages on YouTube and Vimeo that we put up that are available on our website, right? Highwaychurch.us. Click on the YouTube link or the Vimeo, whichever you prefer. Listen to the midweek Bible studies. Because God wants relationship with you. So uh, how are people going to hear this word? It's through the body of Christ. The body of Christ is God's vehicle in the earth to bring people into relationship with him. Okay? Look at Romans chapter 10. We're going to read these. Try and get through these. The time we have. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. Okay, says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Preach it, preacher, right? Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the good news of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. 1 Corinthians 1.21, stay with me. 1 Corinthians 1.21, next book after Romans, says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. This was not man's idea. That's right. God set up preaching. I didn't even know what that was growing up. Didn't, 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 never heard, didn't understand preaching. But God chose preaching to bring salvation to mankind. Wow. Hmm. So let's see this in action in Acts chapter 2. So we invest, my wife and I invest our finances in good preaching. Yes. We do. Yes. Now, I wish, you, I wish I could tell you that every church you walk in, you're going to hear the gospel. But unfortunately, it's not the case. Some churches are churches, but they don't even know Jesus. They're not even born again. Right? They've got their own tradition and doctrine. And sometimes what comes from the pulpit is really not the whole deal. You get a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of man's ideas. Well, this church was founded on this very thing, relationship with God, the Word of God alone. So when you come here, we do everything we can to ensure that you're going to get just the Word, not my opinion, not our philosophies, just the Word. So my wife and I, we look for ministries like that. When we were traveling, we started off our first year of marriage. We lived in Europe, and then we came to New England, and uh, we've been in different parts of the country before that. But every time we would move and relocate, we would look for a church where just the Word is coming forward. And man, it was not easy to find. And I'm telling you, in New England... It's here, right here, and it's growing. But I'm telling you, it's not easy to find in New England. I'm just telling you that. It's not, but you've got it here. I'm not tuning my horn at all. I'm, I, the Word of God is separate from me. I'm not the Word. God, Jesus is the Word, right? So you have a treasure here is what I'm trying to say. 
And boy, invest in it. Invest in it. Let God do what he wants to do. So in Acts chapter 2, we see the birth of the New Testament church in the world. Love the book of Acts. That's us, right? We've actually got more than they had in Acts. We've got the full revelation of the New Testament in our hands. So Acts chapter 2, um, we're going to start in verse 41. But how, how, before we read verse 41, I want you to understand this all happened from preaching. Because right, if you read before at verse 41, Peter stands up and starts preaching because they're like making fun and trying to figure out what's going on with this 120 that were in the upper room because they're, they're speaking in other tongues, they're laughing, they're worshiping God, people are saying they're drunk. So Peter steps up and he gives the first sermon from a born-again preacher. <laughs> and, and look what happens in verse 41. It says, they, then they that gladly received his word, that's us at Highway Church, right? Were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls right here at Highway Church, right? And they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine. That's a fancy way of saying the word, right? They continued steadfastly in that word that was preached, right? And what else? Fellowship. Breaking of bread and prayer. There's our get-togethers, right? The word, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. That's why we have our get-together. That's our verse for it right there. Verse 43, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Why? Because they gladly received the word. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. Boy, is that generosity or what, huh? As every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. So they're meeting in the temple. They're meeting in Regal Cinemas every day, right? And then they're meeting in homes every day. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. What, what did they rally around? The Word, right? They gladly received the Word. That is the key to relationship with God. It's the Word. All right, so verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So the word is our motivation. So what does this have to do with our financial life? We invest in the word. It never crashes. It never goes down. Even if you invest in a church or a ministry that's preaching the word, and then something happens to that ministry, like maybe the leader does something stupid or whatever. When you give, you give to God. Your investment is safe and sound. Okay? So don't give faith. Speaking of faith, don't put your faith in the people you're giving to. Put your faith in the God, right, that we're believing in. So we sell, we bring, you know, if we travel or if we're on vacation, if we're not going to be in church, we make sure that we still give. We don't skip a tithe or skip an offering. So if we're, if we're honest how long we're traveling, now it's great online. We can, we can do it anywhere. But it used to be back in the day you couldn't give online. So when we'd get back from vacation back then, we would write double because we were gone a week, right? We'd put double in there because that was making, because we keep track of this. See, you treasure what he treasures. We keep track of our investments in his word. We've got it on our computer down to the percentage point, right? It's all part of our pie graph, part of our budget, right? We give 10% right off the top. 
Taxes are taken out of the check. Doesn't matter. We give 10% of the gross of that check before taxes. That we're serious about this. This is not a money-making scheme. This is a principle in God's word. Is, that, is money a part of your marriage? Of course it is, right? You want, you, you want to invest in what's important to you. When I write, right now we have a mortgage on our home. When we write that mortgage check, when we pay that, well, actually we do it online. When I click that, I'm, I'm investing in my wife and family, right? That's what that mortgage does. It enables us to have a home, right? To, to spend time together, to have meals together, to have fun together, to do things together. So our money is spent on what we treasure. I treasure my wife and my family, so we invest in them, right? We invest in our, in our family. We invest in the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. It's got so good. Let's see. Let's get this last thing in. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, let's go to verse 10. So you need to see yourself as a vital member of the body of Christ. Your presence makes a difference at Highway Church. Don't ever think, oh, I'm just not going to go. They won't notice. Don't ever think that. When you're here, it makes a difference. When you're at the get-togethers, it makes a difference. Even though we're meeting in four different locations, your presence there affects the other ones. That's right. <laughs> That's not, we grow together, see? So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, so, so let's adopt this mentality of investors, all right? We're investors. Investors are always looking for the ROI, right, the return on their investment. In other words, if I put my money into this, how much am I going to get back? 2 Corinthians 9, here's our ROI, ready? Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in what? Everything for all liberality. What is that? Giving, right? Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. God the, the word of God teaches that as we sow seed, God will multiply seed unto us. We're talking about money. I know. We're talking about money. I know. We're in church and talking about money. It's all right. Okay? As we take our finances, our money, and we sow it into highway church or, and sow it into ministries, we're believing God for him to take that seed and boom, right. exponentially multiply that thing for the benefit of the church and the ministry and into our lives as well. And you get in this flow yes, you where you're, you're sowing and you're reaping. And you're sowing and you're reaping. And you're sowing and you're reaping. And it just keeps on going. So you keep on sowing and you keep on reaping. It's supernatural. And we are out of time. Keep going. Come back. Come back Sunday. We're going to keep on going. This is good. We're changing the way we think. We want to be in the flow of this thing. We want this spiritual law of sowing and reaping to be activated in our lives. All right? Father, we thank you for your word. We love you and worship you. We bless your name. And we thank you, Lord, for, for being the God of our finances. We give you our money. Jesus, you're Lord of our checking account, of our savings account, of our investments accounts, Lord. You're Lord of every account of every penny, Lord, that, that we lay claim to. And we ask you, Jesus, 
to, to, to do wonderful things inside of us through your very light that we would begin to operate with our finances and, and flow in sowing and reaping, flow in this spiritual law that you implemented in the earth. Lord, I pray for every member of this congregation, of this church, that they would no longer allow fear to be attached to their money. But they would worship you with their finances. We reject fear. We refuse to be afraid of not having enough. And we thank you, God, for providing more than enough for us, for the abundance of your finances in our life, for transferring unto us the wealth of the sinner. Thank you, Lord God, for causing us to prosper in every area of our lives, for our finances increasing. We thank you for a two-comma, three-comma church, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We treasure our relationship with God more than anything. Therefore, we invest in what's important to Him, His Word. Put your faith in God and sow generously into the church or ministry where you're learning His Word that you may reap generously unto all liberality. In Jesus' name, amen.